What's up, McConaughey's? Welcome to the Mastering McConaughey podcast, where we explore the filmography and philosophy of Matthew McConaughey. I'm your guest host, Johnny. And I'm your guest host, Mark. Johnny, Happy New Year. Dude, Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah, uh, Bar Mitzvah, uh, Christmas, yes. Kwanzaa, all right. of the things. Right. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> right. Uh, police took my car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude, this has been, uh, I mean, as, as, as I've gotten older, and I think this is a common experience, uh, the holidays have become just worse. They're just so busy and packed and stressed. But this year, for me, has just felt extra. Really? Mark, how many kids do you have? I have uh, a six and a half pound dog. That's quite the burden you carry. <laughs> yeah. I get it. I, I, I'm with you. I completely get it. <laughs> Um, but all that said, uh, you have a, a number of different family members whom you do and, and, and don't casually interact with. So I understand there, there's juggling that has to be done there. Uh, not of, much juggling though, Johnny, not much juggling. I, uh, well, you, you at least have, this is, this is what I'm saying. This oh, is what okay, I'm saying. Okay. Just, just go, go. I don't have much juggling and it has just felt like a, a different kind of burden this year. I came back from Christmas and then we had a couple days off for the new year, just kind of the way Christmas and new year landed. I had a couple work days in between, but came back and I've got clients that they're not necessarily yelling at me, but they are yelling and they are talking to me. They're just, just, it just feels like nobody in the world is happy. Oh dude. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. You know, you and you, we rendezvoused at a Chick-fil-A just a couple, a couple days ago. And and I was bitching about, um, a deal that we have going on right now. I would do anything in the world to not work with this person or ever have to speak with her again. Like literally anything in the world. So I get it. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I'm sorry that you feel that way, Mark. I'm sorry that it's uh, that uh, that life has turned out to be a bitch. Okay, but it's true. It, it is. I mean, yeah. That's just adulthood. Yeah, it, it is. Just you know what? Count your lucky fucking stars. You're not on a submarine. All right. It could always be worse. That's right. It's our time, gentlemen, <laughs> as Bill Paxton said. Do you have a good uh, good holiday break? Um, here's how I'm going to sum up my holiday break, Mark. So I uh, am becoming a broker in another state uh, for another project that we're working on. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, I'm going to take my Christmas break and I'm just going to knock out that test and be done with it. You know what I found out, Mark? I don't get a Christmas break anymore. <laughs> All right. I yeah. I looked up and it was fucking Christmas and I was like I was supposed to have 2 weeks to do this. No. No. Yeah. This this Well, was- you have two kids under the age of 5 and two dogs that are 45 pounds each, so. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> okay? I'm sorry. I I know I'm cursing a lot this episode, but I'm just I'm pissed off. I had to shower both my dogs before I came here today. All right. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, because they get out and they roll around in dead things. I don't know why, how they find dead things, but it's they just like come out like Rambo, covered in mud, right? It seems like something Rambo would do. Am I right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or Predator. Pre- that's what I'm thinking. Predator. Thank you. Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. covered in mud, except it's, right. it's got to be dead squirrel or something. He couldn't see me. Well, this sounds like a summer project 
We're going to get a, an outdoor dog bath set up going. Um, I'm okay with that. I actually toyed with the idea this afternoon of using a uh, pressure washer. Ooh. Well, I can do it from yeah. a distance and yeah. it's punitive. All right. They'll learn their lesson. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if you use the soft wash, you know, attachment, it's essentially a, a, a uh, water hose, well, you yeah. know, regular water hose. So. We do it to our cars and we pay a lot of money for those things. So surely we can do it to a dog. All right. Yeah. It's got a clear coat on. Dogs have fur. I mean. Yeah. The fur is God's clear coat. Okay. There you go. That's what yeah. They is. just live outside. It's all good. I, I see the logic here. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Well, Johnny, we've taken a little bit of a break from recording. We did record Ed TV in December. We did. Yep. But but we have kind of taken a break around this busy time of year, and I know we've we've started off the episode here with a little little bit of a downer. But this is our positive, uh, you know, experience here to cap off the holiday season. And I hope we can bring some joy to the listeners as well. No, I'm pretty sure we just talked about how shitty the holidays were. Like, what joy are we bringing to them, Mark? Well, today we're going to talk about. Star Trek Next Generation, Season 7, Episode 16, Thine Own Self. Talk to me, Mark. Uh, this, this, this is going to bring some joy to the listeners. All right. In this episode, Deanna Troy works to earn a promotion to commander and learns that the most difficult part of being a commanding officer is learning that you must be willing to sacrifice a crew member, even if it's a friend, to serve the mission. Deanna, this is nothing personal. Not everyone is cut out to be a bridge officer. I don't think this is for you. That literally is the is the plot line of this story. Like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of Star Trek tie-ins that I want to talk about. So. <laughs> okay, okay. Because yeah. Starfleet is Space Navy. Okay. Spaceships, spaceships are submarines. Which makes sense because you can't get outside them because there's no air. You are, in fact, trapped inside your vessel. Exactly. That's uh, exactly. That's good. That's really good. Okay. Yeah, there's right. uh, you know there's a wise chief in this movie. Uh, you know, here, Harvey Keitel played a, a very wise chief. He's an he's an enlisted yeah. man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Star Trek: Next Generation and DS9, there's Chief O'Brien. He's mm-hmm. the same thing. Enlisted man had been around for a long time. He knows how everything happens. You know, there, there's a lot of things. Recommend shutting main vents. Make it so. I suggest we beam a section aboard for analysis. Make it so, number one. We can continue to talk about them. But for real, though, we're talking about U571. We are. Yes, we are. And boy, do I have a lot to say about it. I sunk my teeth into this one, Mark. I'm so fucking excited about it. Good. I'm going to let you take the reins, man. This, This is my kind of movie, all right? Like, I ate up, like, the Patriot, Gladiator, all that kind of shit. I've watched every single true life, like espionage, like happen thing on Netflix. Seen it all. That's all I get recommended because this is my kind of shit. Hell yeah. So, yes, U571. After this, I'm going to go home and watch it again. I, it won't be over till probably like 12, 1 o'clock. Don't care. It's worth it. It's a great movie. <laughs> Doing it again. It is great. I've got beer at home. <laughs> Yeah, this came out April twenty first, year two thousand. So I was in, I was in, I don't know, eighth or ninth grade. Yeah, something like that. This is just short of two hours long. Uh, just for context, you know, this came out year two thousand. 
Hunt for Red October came out in 1990, and Crimson Tide came out in 1995. Both of those are pretty big submarine movies. Right. The budget for U571, 62 million, box office 127 million. So again, for context, Hunt for Red October, 30 million, gross 200 million. Crimson Tide, budget 53 million, box office 157 million. So, so if we were going side by side, we would say this one didn't do quite as well, right? Um, yeah, it's like the popularity of submarine movies was going down. Still pretty good. I mean, it grow, it made a profit of over $100 million. So Yeah. What? Really? Nope. Nope. Sorry. Was looking at Crimson Tide there. Yep. Nope. I was <laughs> like, wow, my numbers are wrong. No. Uh, it, it basically doubled its budget, right? It doubled its budget. Yep. There you go. Um, but the Hunt for Red October, uh, quick math here. Fuck. I don't know. Seven times did. Uh, that sounds right. Just short of seven. Yeah. Yep. And, Just short of seven Xing it. Yeah. And then uh, Crimson Tide was three. So again, lined up side by side, it lost. But if losing means you double your money, that ain't bad. Oh, absolutely. Right. I'll, I'll lose. I think, you know, yeah. there was a desire in moviegoers to see these submarine movies. And, uh, you know, there's a good reason. Well, uh, yeah, because, I mean, John Bon Jovi was in it, so who the hell doesn't want to see it? Fucking A, man. And I think I said on a previous episode that John Bon Jovi wasn't in it very much, but he was in the first half, like, a pretty decent amount. Okay, yeah. So I went back. I I didn't recognize him as I was watching the film. I was like, I know I'm going to have to go back and figure this out. Right. Yeah, he's hard to recognize it. He, he was. He was what? Lieutenant Pete Emmett, I think. Um, I think so. And so, yeah, no, I went through YouTube and I just was like, all right, no, no, what was he? And then I was like, oh, that guy. So it all, it all came together at the end. But there's two other guys that look sort of like him. Thank you. Like maybe if, thank if, you. if yeah, if they had a baby, it would be John Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. So it was a little difficult. Yes. Um, I had a really hard time keeping track of all the other people. Which is weird. Trigger, Rabbit. I didn't know which one was which. There, there were only a handful of people in the whole film. So it shouldn't have been that difficult. All right? right. You know, and I don't want to but, spoil it for anyone, but only 10 people got to the end of the fucking movie. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Uh-huh. So, so, no, it shouldn't have been that difficult. But I'm with you. They're all just okay looking white guys stuck in a submarine. All right. Mm-hmm. And then there was the one guy, Wentz, who I was sure was, um, oh, fuck, help me, Opie. I, I knew it was Opie. And it wasn't. Hell yeah, it Ron Howard? It wasn't Opie. It was not Ron Howard. Okay, so Wentz looks like Ron Howard and John Bon Jovi had a kid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Howard Red. So, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, we got Harvey Keitel. He plays the wise chief. Uh, Bill Paxton mm-hmm. was the captain of the American submarine. You mentioned John Bon Jovi. Uh, Trigger, the character Trigger. Right. Uh, Tom Geary, I think. My wife pointed out he's from Sandlot. He's Smalls from Sandlot. You're killing me, Smalls. Also, Johnny, do you know Giada from Food Network? Uh, no, Mark. Um, I could never afford a package with Food Network. So rub it in. 
All right. <laughs> well, uh, when I worked at the 911 Center right after college, one of the, the shows that we would watch every day during the middle of the day was At Home with Giada or something, one of her cooking shows. And we, we called her Italian Boob Lady. Gianna De Laurentiis, the super hot chef, is vacationing down in Miami. She looks like an absolute smoke show, and she had a little nip slip. Italian, okay, well, I'm glad you called her Italian boob lady because I was about to make a joke at your expense about watching the Food Network in the middle of the day. So, at least you had that, <laughs> that's, okay? That's when I was working, man. <laughs> the phones aren't ringing all the time. And we'll thank God for that. But I do remember some great stories from, from those days. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Just, just e- e- what would you say? What's, what's weirder? Your time at the 911 center or your time as an attorney? What's weirder? I, I think at the 911 center, these stories were coming to me firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I was hearing the people. So probably that, that was the weirder experience. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I, I just know that you, you've seen some things on both sides. So yeah. I, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. We digress. So we had Italian boob lady, mm-hmm. and then we had Sandra Lee. We called her a blonde drunk lady because she always did a cocktail at the end, and it just filled up a pitcher. Then in here, two shots of vodka. Woo! That's going to be strong. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> Giada, yeah. she's always showing off her cleavage. Mm-hmm. She has two young aunts, apparently. Born in 1988 and 1990, and somehow they're her aunt. Giada's got to be, you know, 50, early 50s. But uh, Carolina and Dina De Laurentiis are in this movie. And they, they must have been children, uh, probably from the uh, the first scene when they're on Liberty. Yeah, yeah. Liberty leave or whatever. Yep. Um, and, yeah. And, I okay, so I don't know these people, but again... Uh, just going down a rabbit hole because it's it's just what happens here, Mark. Uh, so my mother was one of 13. She also had nephews that were older than her, uh, mm-hmm. but not by a lot. My right. guess is if in this particular circumstance, maybe the aunts were much younger. Sounds to me like dad went and got a 20-year-old trophy wife started over. That's what I think happened. Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. He, he was a big... Big name in Hollywood. That's that's just I, I my guess. That's what happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so Mark, how did uh, the critics respond to this film? What did they think? Well, uh, Tomato Meter, 68%. On Metacritic, the critic score is 62. So, you know, if we average those out, about 65 out of 100. The audience on Tomato Meter, they were at about 62%. Mm-hmm. On Metacritics, the audience said that was a 7.1. Hopefully I think we had a discussion about this with EdTV. Yeah. I, I think on Metacritic, they do have a 10-point scale Got, for yeah. the audience. I don't know why the fuck they would do it differently. Right. Why? But here we are, audience 7.1. So Just move the decimal one place over. It just makes it just the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah. I don't even think that's yeah. relevant here, but it counts. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Ebert gave it two out of four stars. He was he was a little rough on the movie, but well, uh, what did, what did the Academy think of the movie? Well, uh, Mark, it was nominated for two Academy Awards, uh, best sound and best sound editing. 
I think that as far as Academy Awards go, those are probably the two that I would not want to be nominated for. If I was, okay. <laughs> we got nothing to say about the film, but the sound was great, guys. Good work. Good work. <laughs> hey, that's a very integral part of filmmaking. It is. It is. And they did a great job. They, they did. They even won sound editing, right? Yeah. Um, which, again, I don't know if that's better or worse than winning the sound one. <laughs> Mark, what you drinking tonight, my man? I believe this beverage has produced an emotional response. I have a pint and a pickled egg. And red wine is the worst for my sores. You think maybe you and I can brew up some juice? Johnny, I am drinking an Army and Navy. No shit. I, I, I wish I could have found just a Navy cocktail, but best I could do was Army and Navy. This cocktail is served in the boob coupe class. Ooh. Very popular on this podcast. Got some London dry gin. Lemon juice, orgeat syrup, which is a like almond syrup that's usually used in tiki drinks. A mm-hmm. Cu- couple of dashes of Angostura bitters, and it called for a saline solution. I, I just put a few drops or a few uh, few crystals of salt in there. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's a, a way to poison people. I've seen it on a lot of true crime. Yeah, if you mainline it, for well, sure. I, th- I thought like you could poison someone if you put like Visine in their drink. You just they get really, really sick. Put a few of these things in his drink and he'll be going down our toilet seat for the next 24 hours. Give me the eye drops. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You're talking about wedding crashers. Where it's a thing. Bradley Cooper. It's a thing. <laughs> Don't ask me how I know. I just, I've seen it a lot. I've seen it happen. Well, Johnny, what are you drinking? Dude, all right. I am drinking a Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. Not Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you which one it is. I didn't make it down the entire roster, like 36 beers at the... Uh, the growler shop today um but mm-hmm. as we were talking off the air the bartenders down there know that uh i do this podcast now and all i have to do is walk up and and give them a couple key words and they just throw me a beer i'm like this is what you want and uh so i said listen i need something submarine or germans and they're like take the hefeweizen hefeweizen I'm like it's german i'll take it we're there so that's awesome man oh they're great they're great to me so, yeah, I'm already one in, and now I wish I'd gotten three. Especially <laughs> since they were free. All right, these, these guys really take care of me. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Mark, talk to us about the movie. An American submarine crew is tasked with a daring mission. Recover an Enigma coding machine from a stranded Nazi U-boat, U-571. An American sub and crew gets dressed up to look like a Nazi resupply sub. We've got Bill Paxton as the captain. McConaughey plays Andy Tyler, the XO or first officer. They try to take over the U-571. As they're doing that, the actual Nazi resupply sub appears, destroys the American sub, killing all but a few of the crew. The remaining crew must traverse the Atlantic Ocean in U-571, avoiding Nazi patrols to get the Enigma machine safely into Allied hands, all while Tyler learns how difficult it is to be a skipper. That's our little synopsis. That was really good. You're getting (laughs) really fucking good at this. 
<laughs> uh, Skipper should not be the name for the guy in charge. God, I agree. I just, I feel like that's very just like, oh, he's the Skipper. Not like, I'm the motherfucking Skipper. It's um, Gilligan's Island, right? It is. Yep. And the Skipper to The Skipper to it just doesn't sound like the guy in charge. That's not a. Mm-hmm. It's not a commanding role. All right. No. And, Call and him captain. Captain. Uh, well, even chief. Right. Chief was the enlisted guy that knew what was going on. He was the smartest guy on the boat. But right. you know. Yeah. What's what's the actual name for that? Um. You know, I I was gonna go in the in uh, the Air Force. Um. Until my wife. Told me no, um, and um, and yeah, Thank so goodness. The, right. There's a role, right? There's someone who's who's in there who knows everything, but he's not he's not um, an officer. He knows more than the officer, but he's an enlisted man. Same thing. Yeah, yeah it's the chief. Yeah, and I'm like I don't know what it's what it is in the Air Force, but yeah, it's yeah. You know, you get that institutional memory with the enlisted man, right? They've been there for fifteen, twenty five years. They know how everything works. It's all cross-circuited and patched together. I can't make head nor tails of it. Sounds like one of your repair jobs. <laughs> These officers went to University of North Georgia. You know, so true. Yes, they became officers automatically, or they went to law school, got into JAG uh, at officer status. Sure, they've got no experience, none yeah. at all. It's the, it's the older enlisted men that know what's going on. But why aren't they promoted to the officer? I feel like they know what they, like, why? No one wants to be the old wise grandpa that still gets shit on. I've been in service to the Federation all my adult life. No one has ever questioned my loyalty. It's a class system, just like America, man. That makes sense when you put it that way. It it all really comes together there, Mark. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) All right, summed it up. Case closed. Blue collar versus white collar. That's it. Yeah. There you go. I'm on the green collar, so take that, bitches. (laughs) Green collar, huh? Mm -hmm. Making that money? Bucking the system. Nice. Me and Ross Perot. (laughs) Man, he got Bill Clinton elected. (laughs) Yeah, sure enough. Sure enough. Took like 20-something percent of the votes, so... (laughs) Yeah, man. You said you like this movie. Tell tell me. Oh, dude, I just I just really dig uh, historical fiction. Not like the kind where you're like in England, and there are little monsters running around, like the stuff that could have really happened, right? Right. Into that. Um, but that being said, I got some grievances I want to air. Can I can I air my grievances? Is that okay? Absolutely. This is. Uh, the festive season. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> first off, uh, there was never a, a boat called U571. You had That's all true. all the options in the world. Why'd you have to make up a boat? There's a U570, okay? Mm. But, but why? Okay? Why? I don't know. I don't, I don't fucking know. Two, I'm not British. Not particularly a fan. Go back to 1776, you'll understand. But <laughs> they had a real big issue with this film because they were they the did. people who actually stole the enigmas. All right. Right. And uh, I, I'm sure you saw, just as I did, uh, the original film did not have the end credits that explained how that happened. 
Yeah. So, so they did. Uh, they did request that change. And lastly, well, I'm not going to say lastly, all right, because I got a whole list here. But I'll say this, and and then I'll just hand it back over to you for for a hot take. The Enigma machine, Mark. Uh, yeah. Did Did you hear that and instantly get recalled to something else, as I did? Enigma. Yeah. It immediately took me back to another one of my favorite historical fiction films. You're going to have to help I me. Will. The Imitation Game with um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. I fucking loved it. Also about the Enigma machine. Okay. The whole film okay. was about these British guys spending years breaking the Enigma code. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as they did, they were able to find out that they were about to bomb a big ship. And they were like, oh my gosh, we can't stop it. Because if we stop it, then they'll know we broke the code and this is all for nothing. Right. So mm. they let everyone die. But such is war. Right. Uh, just like 9-11. I don't even know where to take that, Mark. I'm just going to skim <laughs> right the fuck over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. We'll talk about okay. it later. Oh, I mean, by all means, circle back around, but I'm not losing my train of thought. <laughs> um, so this whole movie, I'm sitting here like trying to figure out, wait a minute. Did they crack the code or did they steal the Enigma machine? Which one was it? And and so I asked you to delay recording by another 10 minutes because I needed to fucking figure it out. I oh, wasn't going to okay. come on board here until I figured it out. So here's what Hollywood doesn't want you to know. <gasps> The Enigma machines were stolen, lots of them. Those machines were taken to these guys from the imitation game, and that's how they cracked it. They didn't crack it with the, here's the weather, all hail Hitler at the end, that they tell you in the imitation game. That was a fucking lie. Really? And if I'm wrong about that, please put that in the comments. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Very interesting. Yeah, so, there you go. Weather today is clear. Rain in the evening. Heil Hitler. Yeah, I think one of Ebert's major criticisms was, you know, if you want to distill his argument or his mm-hmm. criticism down into two words, it's like stolen valor. You know, this didn't happen. Americans didn't do this. Blah, blah, blah. And this was at a time when, what, Band of Brothers was, sure. was out or it just oh, come yeah. out. It's all about those harrowing war movies. Yeah. Yeah, and this is 25 years ago. There were a lot more World War II vets around. Uh, a lot of interest, I think, in the historical accuracy sure, of sure, things. Yeah. So maybe it was just the time in which this came out. But I just appreciated having, I mean, a great movie. It was a great movie. And I don't care that it's not historically accurate. They did a great job making everything look accurate to the period. Yeah, I mean, I Absolutely. I skimmed through some interviews where they really, I mean, they did their homework on this. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like you said, this was the third submarine movie that was coming out. People's interests, they're already peaked. Uh, people are, are checking up on it, right? Mm-hmm. And they really did. They did their homework. No World War II subs were seaworthy to use. So they're like, screw it. We'll just rebuild them, I reckon. That's what they yeah. had to do. Isn't that crazy? I don't think the subs could actually go underwater, but the ones that they rebuilt yeah. were seaworthy and were great replicas. Yeah, that was crazy. I had no idea that that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, in one interview, 
Bon Jovi said, yeah, they sent us to submarine school and we had to read all these books and whatnot. I don't know if that's true. All right. He may have been getting a little into hyperbole there. I have a hard <laughs> time thinking he can drive a sub, but maybe he can. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's possible. Uh, they certainly, you know, Harrison Ford can fly airplanes. So, well, Tom Cruise can do just about fucking anything, That's which makes truth. me think we need to look into Scientology. Okay. Okay. I'm just like, hey, don't knock it till you try it. That's that's what I say. Sure. Right? That that is literally what they all say. That's what the celebrities say in interviews. Don't they knock say, it till you try. It. Well, you should do. <laughs> well, they say you should do your own research. God, do you know who else says that? Anti-vaxxers. Yes. Yes. Fucking QAnoners. <laughs> that's their tagline. Do your own research. No, that's why I asked you. Okay. Right. We're here right. for empirical evidence. Yeah. Now be careful. Xenu might come down and take you. That's not a bad explanation of the world. That's all I have to say. Okay. Might have some merit. You know, Johnny, we haven't, like, I called out vegans a few episodes ago. There aren't any vegans listening to this podcast. I don't know. It, They're listening to homesteading. Is podcasts. that why we got a, a, a two-star review, Mark? Is that what happened? That was early on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, we took the fight to Ron DeSantis. We took the fight to Texas. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Scientologists, they are notoriously litigious. That's true. I wonder if we should start a battle, a battle of words. With Scientology. Maybe we can, you know, get some new listeners. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, without just like blowing up that idea, Mark, um, mm-hmm. one, don't want to be sued by Scientologists. All right. Just not my thing. Uh, can't afford it. All right. T- to be fair, <laughs> okay. your work on the case is probably going to be free, but I still don't think it's going to be good enough. Okay. <laughs> no, agreed. Okay. Agreed. Um, and two, I mean, what kind of listeners are we going to pick up, Mark? People in their little Scientology huts out in Scientology land listing for us to say bad shit that they can sue us about? Is that what we want? Is that what we want? No, we're going to get, no, we're going to get on like Access Hollywood and People Magazine because Tom Cruise is going to attack us. You're playing chess. And then Vulture will pick us up and they'll say we're the fifth best podcast of the of the year. Dude, I'm into that. All right. Next episode, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to tie everything into Scientology somehow, man. And we are making headlines. It's going to be us on National Enquirer right there. <laughs> yep. Fuck yeah. Right next to the bat. That's kid. what I'm saying. So <laughs> I don't know how we got on Scientology, but... This movie took place on uh, primarily two submarines. Correct. What, the S-33? That sounds right. Yeah, S-33 and the U-571. We had a black chef or a cook on the S-33. What did you think about that? Did you feel like that was a a throw to the token black guy? You know, I didn't really feel token feelings, Mm -hmm. but I guess he was the only black guy. He was our black friend in the in movie. In the whole movie. Yeah. I don't even think any of the like servers at that the wedding on Liberty Leave, I don't even think any of them were anything other than white. Um, I don't know. Sorry. Continue. Ah, no, I just, I, I liked him. Oh, yeah. He's one of the nine or ten that survived to, you know, go on to U571. Mm-hmm. And even though he was a cook, I mean, he was performing, 
you know, duties on the bridge. Oh, yeah, they threw him, they threw him in on like um, on steering halfway through the film, right? They mm-hmm. did. I liked his line when they were when they were taking prisoners from U five seven one onto the S thirty three. He said, first time seeing a black man. <laughs> that was funny. Yes. Get, get used to it. <laughs> Number 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was good. Mm-hmm. I liked him. I wish he had been in it a little bit more. We'll say this. He wasn't the first one to die. Who was the first to die? I don't know. But that's that's kind of like a, uh, a trope, isn't it? Like the black guy is always the first one to oh, die. Sure. Yeah. Is that how that goes? Yeah, he made it to the end. He did. I think that's more historically accurate. You know, I'm just sad that they killed McConaughey off 25 minutes in. Um, I'm sorry, audience, you didn't see that, but I almost spit my beer out. (laughs) 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 No, McConaughey was kind of the main character, wouldn't you say? Uh, Yeah, I think that he was like, when was he not in the scene, Mark? Like, I I think they Mm -hmm. filmed this entire film around him. Right. Obviously, he was the main character, but they just like didn't let him go, which was good. I enjoyed it. There's an opening five minutes on U571 with the Nazi crew, and then they're mm-hmm. uh, yeah. disabled. The, the sub gets disabled. Right. And then it immediately cuts to like a back to the future look inside of a, a car that McConaughey is Correct. in. Yep. Marty, I'm almost 18 years old. It's not like I've never parked before. What? You know, so as soon as we see an American, it's McConaughey. Who else do you want it to be, Mark? Nobody. Fuck no. And Bill Paxson's in charge mm-hmm. for like 15 minutes. <laughs> so, and then after that, it's it's all about McConaughey. You know, I, I gave that little synopsis of the Star Trek episode. But that is kind of the main emotional journey of the movie, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, if, if we're talking about the emotional journey, you know, I, I wrote this down in my notes. I'm, you brought it up earlier. Um, you know, I, I feel like the lesson that Bill Paxton was trying to teach him and, and the reason that he did not give um, Tyler a submarine, right, didn't get the promotion, is he wasn't ready to kill the one to save the 99, right? Because the needs of the one outweigh the needs of a many. Forget this whole, we're going to leave the 99 to save the one bullshit. No. The lesson here is sacrifice that one to keep the rest of them alive. That's the lesson. And he he eventually did have to make that decision, right? He was like, which one of these two little radio guys am I going to kill to keep us alive? Which one's going to do it? It took him a while, but he came around. That ultimate decision came up and he he made it. it. the needs of the many over the needs of it's the It's so true. It's so true. Uh, and uh, another reason why I will not be on a submarine. Uh, I will neither be making that decision nor being the guy going down in the bilge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, in that Star Trek episode, Troy, the counselor, she's she wants to become a commander, so she has to go through this command mm-hmm. training. And she's in a hologram uh, or holodeck simulation where there's a big problem with the warp core and she has to, she has to, you know, make a decision to have this thing fixed. And every time the ship blows up and at, you know, of course at the end of the episode, she, she learns from Riker that you have to make this hard decision. 
Hmm. So she sends, and of course this is in the holodeck simulation, but she sends her dear friend and one of the seven main cast members, Jordy, sends him down a Jeffrey's tube to die in order to save the ship. Jordy, could you repair the conduit? Yeah, I think I could. Then do it. That's an order. And so that that was the lesson in that episode, which is again is essentially the same thing here. Where Definitely. You know, if you want to be a commander, you have to make those hard decisions. And Bill Paxton kind of says, you know, these guys, these enlisted guys see you as a big brother. Right. Yeah. And you absolutely see that in the opening scene. Again, they're on like shore leave mm-hmm. for a, for one of the one of the officers' weddings. And McConaughey has gotten a letter saying that he's he doesn't have his own command. So he's walking through the room like a beeline towards Bill Paxton. All the enlisted mm-hmm. men are trying to stop him. Say, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Hey, my mom's here. Can I introduce you to my mom? You know, like they think of him as, as a big brother. And for him to sacrifice one of them would be sacrificing one of his little brothers. That's what this was all about, wasn't it? To see if I'd order someone to their death. You did exactly what you had to do. You considered all your options. You tried every alternative, and then you made the hard choice. That's, dude, honestly, like, as you're talking through that, I'm having these realizations in my own head. I'm like, oh, I guess that's why enlisted people are not allowed to party with officers. Like, they keep degrees of separation. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The blue collars are expendable, I guess. Cut that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Bill Paxton does say, you know, these guys think of you as their big brother. You know, you went to, you went to the Academy with John Bon Jovi. Would you be fine ordering him to his death? You know, so. Yeah. I mean, I get as, as the skipper, everybody is beneath you and everybody is fair game. So. Um, That's so depressing. Um, But. (laughs) Uh, other depressing things that i want to talk about tonight let's can we just take a second to talk about the submarine the idea of a submarine i was unprepared for the skipper to put on a rain jacket and um and hat as he was going to pull down the periscope i was like what the fuck is this guy doing that was something apparently he knew that uh the the gaskets weren't great and he was gonna get rained on relax gentlemen She's old. She'll hold. Okay. I don't. You know, Johnny. No. I've, I've, Go ahead, please. I've got a. I've got a little, a little uh, boat for a lake. You know, I've I've almost sunk it. I think three times. Mm-hmm. It's got a bilge yeah. pump. Two of the times that it almost sank, the bilge pump was not working. So you got to make sure the bilge pump works. But yeah, Bill Paxson's argument or statement was. It leaks, whatever. The bilge, you know, we'll get the water out. And, okay. That would not be good enough for me. (laughs) And, okay, and I only uh, have, like, ideas of what that means because of your stories, right? Like, Mm. that, okay, so the idea that boats boats all leak and you have to have a bilge pump was a foreign idea to me until, you know, you got your boats, right? Yeah. And so it was much more relatable as this thing is just taking on water every fucking where, okay? And I'm sitting here like, they're in this metal tube taking on water. Oh, 
that's just going to happen, right? That's just part of boating, right? Right. And one of the guys is tapping on one of the tubes <laughs> with a hammer and it just breaks. And he looks over at, at the captain and he goes, I'll just shut it off and, you know, we'll fix it later. Okay, good. Are you kidding me? Dude. Put a pie patch on and lash with Marlin. The yard can fix it when we get back to port. I assume. You, you brought up a great point. Great point. I'm glad you did. Uh, that's where I was going next. Uh, the idea of everything fucking breaks and they can just fix it on the spot. I, I, I couldn't get over that. Oh my gosh, this entire diesel engine seized up. I got this, Captain. I worked on small engines my whole life. What? <laughs> How do you do that? Okay. To be fair. Uh, to be fair. To be fair. Oh, to be fair. That was one of the German guys. And they had two diesel engines. One of them had seized up and they could not fix that. Mm-hmm. All the mechanics burned up, which was horrifying. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then one of the German guys was like, I mean, I'm the best you have here as a mechanic because I helped my, yeah, my father with small engines. But when the Americans come on, they're, they're not able to get that seized diesel engine up and running. But he is able to get the other one going. I just, I just so. feel like if something breaks 150 meters below water, you're going to die. Sorry, you don't have spare parts, okay? What do you have? A pipe wrench? That's what you got? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But the American mechanic, Tank... He talked about, you know, whoever was trying to fix it, who, whichever German was trying to fix that diesel engine. He said he didn't know a piston from a sister's titty. I mean, which makes sense, right? Who trusts German cars, right? Okay. Like. I think they're pretty reliable, actually. Well, fuck that. They've never met a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Fixed or repaired daily. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I that was something that impressed me, and I know that it's done, right? Things break underwater, and somehow they fix them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a Mr. Fix-It. Uh, I can do anything in a house, but if it comes to a car, nope. Sorry, you're stuck on the side of the road until someone comes to get you because I cannot help you. Uh, it's just beyond me. John, you have an electric car now. Uh, I do, which I, I love because it's impossible to break. There are no moving parts. None. So um, I feel pretty safe. You purchased this electric automobile 2023. Correct. This movie took place 1942, so 90 years in the past. Yep. Correct? That's uh, that, math, that math tracks. Yep. And actually, these ships were designed in the 19-teens. They ran off of batteries. Yep. Yep. I felt like that's where you were going. Yep. Because uh, they did. They had battery backups that were able to make it happen. You're absolutely right. So when they needed to go silent, they went by batteries. So my question to you, Mark, is is where the fuck have we been for 90 years? Okay. That was my question to you, sir. Uh, Well, if you would like to take a rabbit hole down the uh, American military complex, is that right? Industrial complex? Uh, There you go. There you go. Military industrial complex. That's the one. Thank you. And it's a close relation and tie to uh, oil nations. We can. Something to look into. Uh, there's a documentary called Who Killed the Electric Car from like 20 years ago. Really? Yeah. So there, there's an answer there. 
there's no question the people who uh, control the marketplace today, the oil companies, have a strong incentive to discourage alternatives, uh, except the alternatives that they themselves control. Just as General Motors 40, 50 years ago bought up the trolley systems and shut them down, uh, the oil companies have opposed the creation of an electric infrastructure. Do you remember the Saturn brand of cars? Yes. And I loved that commercial where they uh, parked the car and then the bike fell into it, but it didn't didn't damage it because it has like flexible walls. Do you remember that at all? Oh, okay. Quarter no? panels. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying that's, I remember two things about Saturn, that commercial and that they were one of the ones that went under. That's what I remember about Saturn. The Saturn Ion with dent-resistant side panels. Yeah, that was a GM brand. It was supposed to be a low-cost brand, and yeah, it didn't, unfortunately, didn't go anywhere. But they had an electric car, and it was viable. It was great. No way. And it got it, it got shut down. I'm, I mean, I do not doubt. In fact, I'm 100% sure that we have a, a uh, military problem, and that is, in fact, in bed having some sort of just like abusive sexual relationship with the oil companies. Like the, like the two of them do dirty things together. Uh, so I believe you. 100%. 1,000%. Follow the money. Uh, yes. Yes. And somehow that money uh, goes to Jeffrey Epstein. I heard that Jimmy Kimmel. Was he on the list? No. <laughs> oh. Shit. Okay. I'm really excited about that list. No, but Aaron Rodgers suggested that Jimmy Kimmel was on one of the lists. This just happened a couple days ago. Listeners, you're, you'll be a couple weeks behind us here, but yeah, he's threatening to sue Aaron Rodgers for defamation. Fuck, I would do that. Are you kidding me? Those are fighting words. Absolutely. That is no small thing to say. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. We joke about a lot Agreed. of things, even Scientology, but I would not joke about that. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. Anyway, let's talk. Let's talk about McConaughey. <laughs> I forgot that's what we were talking about. McConaughey. Today. Isn't that what this show is about? I think so. What's the name of the show again? <laughs> Mastering Epstein. <laughs> talk to me. Talk to me. Did we get any shirtless moments, Mark? Oh, geez. I didn't even look for him. I don't think so. I don't think we did either. The man is clothed the whole time. He's wet some of the time, but he's clothed. And okay, and that's to me, that's the uh, the the quandary here, right? That's the conundrum. Why? Like he's wet the entire film because apparently submarines leak, and when you're outside, it rains. So take your shirt off, McConaughey. Outside in the rain, when when they were taken over U five seven one, they were in the ocean. It was raining. Yes. My what it looked like to me was Truman Show. Do you remember near the end of Truman Show when he's out in the boat? Where he, yeah, he tries to leave and they shoot the fire. You know, but like the look of that storm, mm-hmm. you could tell it was on a soundstage. Yes. Well, I was going to say that's why it looks the same because it was artificial rain, right? Like, mm-hmm. yep, hundred percent artificial sea, artificial rain. But I watched the video. It, Said it was the largest like water tank yes. soundstage yes. in Europe. Yeah, pretty cool. Definitely, definitely. 
uh, I, I saw that this uh, most of this was filmed in Malta. And uh, I'm only excited about that because I'm just happy that he finally got out of Texas, right? We're seeing this guy <laughs> just kind of, he's living a little. He's seeing some things now. So, Where's Malta? Uh, Europe. Somewhere in like South Europe. Okay. That's, well, I assume that. I don't Dude, I'm American, all right? Okay. That's, you're lucky you got that much. <laughs> okay. Okay. Don't talk down to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not talking down. I don't even know where, what the fuck Malta is. So Couldn't tell you if it's a city or a country. All right. I'm pretty sure it's a country, okay. but I'm not 100%. America, baby. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, McConaughey really was the central character, mm-hmm. uh, the focus of kind of the central character development, I guess, of the movie. Definitely. He's denied a command of his own because he can't make the hard decisions. I didn't get my boat. That's right. I just don't think you're ready. Then the captain is killed and he's put in command by default. Yep. He tells his eight or nine remaining crew members, I don't know how to get out of this. You think I know how we're going to get out of this mess? I don't. I don't know how. God, dude, you, yes, you're on a roll. That's exactly what I was going to say. Way to go. Keep moving. Keep going. They start to lose confidence in him at the same time. We're kind of, you know, as, as things are rolling in the movie, the chief says, but if you want to be a skipper, a skipper is this amorphous, all-powerful person. This is the Navy. We're commanding officers a mighty and terrible thing. Man to be feared and respected. All-knowing, all-powerful. Don't you dare see what you said to the boys back there again. I don't know. You're the skipper now. And the skipper always knows what to do, whether he does or not. You know, even if you don't know the answer, you know the answer. Bingo. That's how you are. That's what a commander is. And then right after that little pep talk happens, McConaughey has tested Taylor. Taylor is tested. They have to get up on, uh, I guess they can't be below water because they're leaking so much. And uh, they detect a plane. It's a German plane. Right, yeah. They get up. There's a gun on the deck, and one of the guys is on the gun. And another crew member, Mazzola, who has lost confidence in Taylor, mm-hmm. is telling the guy on the gun, shoot the plane down, shoot the plane down. He's going to strafe over us, just kill us all. And he's yelling, you know, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And McConaughey's saying, soldier, do not fire, do not fire. And luckily, the guy doesn't fire. After the plane goes away, McConaughey punches Mazzola in the face and said, this is not a goddamn democracy. That's, that's damn right. What the hell are you doing, huh? This is not a goddamn democracy. Plants his flag. I love that. And you know what? Mozzarella got what's coming to him. All right. <laughs> well, that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it happens really quick. The chief says... Commander always knows what to do, even if he doesn't. Yep. Boom. McConaughey is tested, and one of the crew members goes along with him, so he, he gets some with some clout there. And then, boom, almost immediately, Mazzola Mozzarella. ends up saving Tank from uh, uh, the, Germ- the one German prisoner that they have. Who was a dick. Who was a dick. He was the captain. Got nothing good to say about that dick. Not, not a good But Mazzola dies saving Tank. Yep. But it's just boom, boom, boom. Mazzola never gets a chance or an opportunity for redemption with Tyler. 
He never gets the chance to say, Tyler, you know, I believe in you now. You're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was the main one that doubted him. This isn't a fucking Disney movie, Mark. Okay? <laughs> You're right. I, got, I, I just like, no, I'm sorry. We shot him out of a fucking tor- torpedo tube. All right? That's what he deserved. That's what he deserved. He saved the, he saved the crew. Yeah. Well, mozzarella always saves the pizza. <laughs> Johnny, did you have a, a favorite scene in this movie? Uh, okay. I'll give you a most memorable scene. Okay. As I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm getting flashbacks from when I've seen it before. Uh, and it, it didn't take me long into this movie to have this one flashback that um, is, I am E571, destroy me, right? And I was just mm-hmm. waiting for that scene. I was like, I know that, I know that damn captain's going to do this. I know he's going to do it. And when it happened, it just like all clicked, right? And I, I'm glad that this guy went and bashed his face in with that monkey wrench. Like, that's what he deserved. But that to me, that was like, that's just the scene. It's going to be important. Impression, right? It's going to be burned in the back of my head until I die. IME 571, destroy me. Uh, great work mm-hmm. of uh, Morse code. Great, great use of that. Love it. IMU 571, destroy me. How about I you? was frustrated the, the whole movie that they didn't just fucking kill that guy. Wow. I know that uh, there's a scene in the movie where in early when the German crew just massacres you know, some folks in a rowboat because yeah. they can't risk those people getting a message out or right. whatever. Yep. So I guess that the fact that the Americans were taking prisoners, like set us apart or whatever. But it's like, this guy is too much of a liability. Just fucking kill him. Do you think uh, that, that those two scenes juxtaposed against each other? I really like that. Uh, is painting... Uh, a picture of uh, American, uh, almost help me moral superiority. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Well, uh, uh, for for one, listeners, I do not think that Americans are morally support uh, superior to anyone in any way. Uh, I think that uh, our history proves that. So wrong again. I had a property manager ten years ago. He was a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. and he told me stories about using just a regular uh, battery-powered drill to drill through prisoners' eyes um, to torture them to get information and stuff. So, yeah, not morally superior. Met a guy, true story, met a guy uh, who stabbed another man to death with a Phillips head screwdriver in a foxhole. Okay. In a foxhole. So, I mean, wow. you know. So it was justified. Yeah. In fact, uh, he thinks that uh, as he was running to said foxhole, tripping over that Phillips that screwdriver, uh, was uh, he was placed there by God. And so he picked it up. And then he stabbed the man to death. Damn. That's heavy stuff. Yeah, dude, war. War. Mm-hmm. As I get older, I watch these movies, and I'm just terrified because this happened to people. And people came home. And uh, Mm -hmm. as you said at the top of the hour, glad I never actually went into the Air Force. All right. Thank you, by the way, uh, all people who were and are uh, in the military. Thank you. Uh, You do amazing things. 
I, I don't usually say thank you for your service. I usually say thank you for serving so that I don't have to. Yeah. You know, we have a volunteer service. Um, so that's why I th- thank you for doing it so that I wasn't forced to do it. Um, it, it is a burden. It is. You know, a, a heavy one. It really is. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, I took that somewhere. Probably we weren't no. going. Um, only last thing I did want to mention, Mark, uh, and, and this was brought up in the film, was uh, if I'm walking to my sub and I see 20 guys out there welding shit to it, I'm not getting on that sub. Okay? <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> so. Yeah. The chief says something like, what are they doing to my, my, ba- yes. my baby? <laughs> like, I saw that, right? And eventually it's explained to us what's happening, but I'm like, no, hell no. Yeah. What are the, who knows what these guys are doing? Well, apparently they're Velcroing swastikas to it, uh, which, right. which was I'm a great plan. A Don't get me wrong. It was, and it worked. Yeah. It worked. It worked. It worked. Just the actual resupply sub just got there a little too early. Okay. Technical question. Uh, the pinging, Mark, the pinging. I felt like in the film, it was portrayed as that was enemy sonar. Sonar? Radar? Yes. Sonar. Sonar. Uh, is that an audible sound? Do you know? Yes, it is. Really? My understanding is that it's, it's very loud. No shit. So they were actually listening to sonar coming their direction. Right. I mean, it's like a sonogram. When you're looking for a baby, you know, but, but the sound goes out and it, some of it bounces back and is detected. And that's how you know what's out there. Mark, I have seen a lot of babies through these things. Is that how that works? They do it really, really quiet though. So don't worry. <laughs> I'm like, what? I never heard shit. <laughs> I assume that the sonogram was, was sound, is sono. Sonogram, sonar. No wonder you're a goddamn attorney. But yes, they, they put out a just a really loud burst of sound, and whatever comes back, you know, they get an idea of what's out there. The things you learn, Mark, I tell you what. The things you learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark, uh, did you have uh, a McConaughey, some wisdom that you gained from this film? I just want to meet new people and do cool things. I thought, man, that is about the best reason to go and do something there is in life, isn't it? Johnny, I don't know what your McConaughey is, but your last little bit there was was pretty good. You know, don't get on a sub if you see 20 guys welding shit to your sub. But my... So here's here's the thing. I was afraid I was going to have nothing to talk about with this movie just because it's a great military action movie. It's great. It was absolutely all around. The only real character development is McConaughey, which is good, but we can't talk about it for an hour. Fair. So I, instead of picking some kind of wisdom, I picked a favorite line from my McConaughey. Go, go. You know, there are two like special operatives, you know, special agents, whatever. Oh yeah. That come on to the sub Mm -hmm. for this mission to get the Enigma machine. And one of them asks Bill Paxton, how deep does this thing go? 
And Bill Paxton says, oh, she'll go all the way to the bottom. <laughs> How deep does this thing go? Oh, she'll go all the way to the bottom. We don't stop her. Didn't catch it at the time, but that's funny as shit now. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Mark. Yeah. That was good. That, yeah. that was a good joke. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, what's your Makadachi? So, okay. All right. Let's go down that road. Uh, different special op guy that came aboard, right? He told Matthew McConaughey's character that uh, they have the enigma and they either kill all the Germans or none of them are ever alive to talk about it. Those are the two options. Uh, And I replayed that line in my head a couple of different times and I thought to myself, how would I say that? How would I phrase that? But I mean, it makes sense, right? The logic's there. We cannot let the Germans know we have an enigma or it all goes to shit. Like the entire war. He pulled McConaughey aside and was like, as you said, one, they can't know that we have an enigma or that we were trying to get it. Mm-hmm. Two, these crewmen know things about our radar or sonar yes. capability. They know things about our technology and none of us can be captured. There can be no or prisoners. Or we'll be tortured beyond what you know your yes. imagination yeah yep. that was that was a heavy line for sure it was it absolutely was probably in real life used a lot more than one would think again mm-hmm. as the leader as the skipper or or whatever your role is in the uh armed forces probably a reality that you're walking around with at all times i listened to chill hop music a lot. Okay. Okay. Where they intersplice old TV show audio or old movie audio with chill music. And there's, there's one, one song that starts out with, I don't want to be a leader, man. Leaders got too many things on their mind. And I think about that a lot. Like heavy lies, the crown. I wouldn't want that type of responsibility. I mean, you're right. You are dude. This is a, a really bad um, comparison uh, because, you know, I'm a real estate agent, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes I think back to when I was like, you know, had a job and had someone tell me what to do and I knew exactly what to do and like that's all I had to fucking do. Right. Like that was a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, be, being – the guy where the buck stops. There's a lot more to that. Success or failure, that's you. That that you right. you are the last man standing. Whew. Well, Johnny, how are we going to review this film? Last man standing. Uh, well, I mean, we could do torpedoes, right? Uh, mm-hmm. there, there were a couple torpedoes. Uh, also, something that I was uncomfortable with knowing that I am 150 meters underwater and I have a finite number of torpedoes. It's not like I have a... Scary, right? I mean, yeah, they had four. And that was it. And apparently a lot of them miss. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where do they go? What do they do? This is a good question. Uh, uh, you did see where a bomb washed up on the California shores this morning, yesterday? Really? Absolutely. It was a test bomb, whatever the hell that means. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the nuclear bomb that fell out of an airplane 50 years ago uh, off the coast of Tybee Island. Yes. 
Yeah, I saw somebody with a shirt recently that said Tidy Island Bomb Squad. It was great. Clever, clever, <laughs> clever girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, yeah. So for torpedoes, I had written down fish, fish in the tubes. Get those fish in the ah, tubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about meters a lot, you know, six zero meters. I thought it was so funny Not- when they got in the U five seven one and like it's all in meters. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that much different, guys. I mean, come on, just just three feet. Just say three feet, okay? It doesn't doesn't matter. Clear means was it say clear means green or yeah, yes. clear means yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Clar. Clar, 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 Clar. Um, yeah, so we could do we could do meters. We could do what? Uh, I I like fish. I like fish in the tube. I'm not gonna lie. I think I think you were right there. Okay, one out of ten fish in the tubes. Yep. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm a sucker for these uh, old historical ones. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, he did great. Like you were saying, uh, they followed him around the entire film. Uh, there were no shirtless encounters, but I honestly, if I think that there were, it would have cheapened the film. So I think it was a, I think it was a good call. Perhaps if John Bon Jovi had been shirtless, um, that's something they could have used. I don't know. Um, play, play a guitar, maybe below deck, no shirt on. Yeah. Where the hell were you? Producer Mark, let's go. <laughs> Make use of him, yeah. Um, uh, so, dude, honestly, I'm going to give it an eight. I just really enjoyed it. Eight fish in the tube. That's like four in the tubes and four on deck. Ready to go. <laughs> All right. How about you, Mark? I- I'm going to give the movie eight and a half fish in the tube. Hey! Hey! I understand, you know, like Eber gave it two out of four stars. Asshole. I understand that if you're putting it, right, asshole. If you're putting it up against the nominees for best picture of that year, it's not the most artistic film, blah, blah, blah. Do you know why I watched Hunt for Red October every every time it came on TBS or TNT? Because it's a fun fucking movie, just like U571 <laughs> yes. is. Yes. It's fun. It's a- like the scene where they overtake U571, the resupply sub blows up the American sub, and then the nine remaining crew members have to go down yes. and do this whole thing to destroy the, the, the German sub. I mean, they're just, they're just in a submarine, but it was tense. It was exciting, you know? Good I mean, work. it was a yes. great. Like, that's what I want. Well, I, I seek out either comedies. Nowadays, I seek out either comedies or these old school action movies. Give me, give me, give me something fun. I had a lot of fun with it. It's, it's almost like you're saying, I want to watch a movie for entertainment. That's, it's almost like that's what you're trying to tell me. <sighs> what a novel idea. I don't know what the fuck Ebert's doing with his films. All right. I don't know what he's looking for, (laughs) but (laughs) entertainment. Okay. That's that's basically what we're here for. I think in his review, he, one of his criticisms was, you know, when the special agent guys, CIA or Mm -hmm. military intelligence Mm -hmm. guys comes on, he's like, 
hey, don't worry, I'll I'll train your guys how to use machine guns and everything to take over the U571. I do remember that. And then we never see any of that training. And Ebert was critical of that. It's like, where's that care where's that development? You know, we need to see these guys be trained so we think so we feel like they are competent, blah, blah, blah. Or it's almost like it's a it's almost like it's a video game. I'm like, yeah, dude. Yes. I mean, and, and okay, okay. I just want to say, what kind of target practice can you do in a damn submarine anyway? Okay, what was he expecting? Well, that's one point. But also, I mean, this movie was just short of two hours long. I don't want to see them training. I just want to see the action. And we got a lot of it. Yeah. Eight and a half fish in the tubes. That's the, that's the dumbest, dumbest critique I think I've ever heard in my life. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Weapons hot, deflectors to full. You know, for McConaughey, what 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 would you give McConaughey's performance? I mean, dude, I I had I got nothing bad to say about McConaughey's performance. I just didn't like his hair. All right, the crew cut I did not feel mm-hmm. like did him justice. Uh, I feel like it made him look younger, which I'm sure he was supposed to, right? Like all these guys were like in their twenties and had didn't know their butt from the hole in the ground. But um, we, uh, yeah, I, I thought his performance was great. I'll give it nine. I'm not giving anything 10, all right? Nothing is good. No, nothing is 10 tubes, fish in the tubes. But uh, I'm giving him nine, fish in the tube. I, th- I feel like he did great. How about you? That That's strong, man. I mean, he did, a, strong. he did a great job. He really did. What do you think? Uh, I was going to give him eight, fish in the tubes. Oh, man. Sol- yeah, solid performance. Was. He, he was... I think you have to say he's the main character. I, I think that that's that goes undisputed. Yes, he he's not the main character like in some of his other movies, but he is the primary character. I think he did a great job, fulfilled the role perfectly. But I know we got we've got some really good, shall we say, Oscar winning performances coming up in the future. I, I, I'm going to give him eight. Eight fish okay. in the tubes. Okay. I like that. Room to grow. Room to grow, right? Yeah. Okay. I feel you. I feel you. Johnny, I've got a journal entry for us tonight. Mark, tell me about your journal entry. That's the fun about journaling. There are no rules, all right? All right, all right, all right. Johnny, I picked up a, a new book, actually, just because. Uh, okay. From From here, it looks like a cartoon. This is a children's book by none other than Matthew McConaughey. Oh, shit. Titled Just Because. All right. The concept for the book came to him in a dream. <laughs> He's had some some fun trip ideas come up uh, in his life mm-hmm. from wet dreams. I don't think this was from a wet dream. Hopefully not. But I think it's primarily about, I think, subjectivity. Uh, that That's heavy for children. Okay. It is. It is. Like one line is just because you lie doesn't mean just because you tell a lie doesn't mean that you're a liar. Uh, that is factually not true. <laughs> but I, I found <laughs> I found a line that I thought was appropriate for tonight. Let's go. Let's go. Just because it's silent doesn't mean it's not loud. And you know, on the submarine, they had to be quiet. 
you know, because they're using sonar to locate them. Any sound could indicate where they're at. So just because it's silent doesn't mean it's not loud. Mark, those are the ramblings of a very high, high person. (laughs) (laughs) That boy is out on some ayahuasca, like finding his like inner chi. Okay, that is what he was doing. (laughs) Just because I'm going in circles doesn't mean that I'm dizzy. Stop. Stop. That is not a children's book. Okay. Johnny, just because you threw shade doesn't mean I'm out of the sun. I'm walking away. I'm walking the fuck away. <laughs> Needless to say, we won't be dipping into this book very often <laughs> uh, for the journal entries. Dude, I will say this. Lizzie, my wife Lizzie, obviously I talk about McConaughey a lot in Greenlights. So she went and got the book on Audible and listened to the whole thing all the way down to Hilton Head and loved it. Loved it. She, she gave us a shout out. On on her Instagram stories the other day. Yeah, don't don't tell her I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> and she summed up the reason why we did this podcast perfectly. Let's hear it. She said, she said, my husband Johnny and his friend Mark do a podcast where they go through all of the McConaughey movies because why the hell not? But that's it. Why the hell not? What? Why the hell not? <laughs> We're having fun doing it. Yes. And if Ebert were here, he'd give us a two out of four stars because he's a dick. <laughs> right? Son of a bitch. That's, yeah. Let's hear, let's hear him fight that from the grave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, what are we watching next, man? John, we got something a little different next time. All right. Chronologically, what's next for McConaughey is a Sex in the City episode. And then just behind us in the past is a King of the Hill episode where he played a character named Rad Thibodeau, who uh, who, uh, the character pronounces it Thibodeox. That's that's wrong. (laughs) Yes, yes. But it's uh, Rad Thibodeau. So we're going to kind of combine those two things into one episode, Sex in the City, Season 3, Episode 13, Escape from New York. McConaughey plays kind of an exaggerated version of himself. And King of the Hill, Season 3, Episode 14, The Wedding of Bobby Hill. We're hoping that past guest Amanda Cusack can join us. She has expressed interest. Uh, we're just hoping we can, you know, get our schedules coordinated and, and have her come on and talk about, about these these two episodes. I would love television. that. Let's make that happen. She is a fantastic guest. Guys, if, if you have not tuned in to, to her stuff, you should. She is wise beyond her years. And, you know, her husband has a, a movie podcast. Yes, yes. No flicks given. And we've been invited to be guests on on that podcast. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, so we just we just got to get some schedules together. Have her people call my people, call your people, all the people. My people is my wife. Okay, just just call my <laughs> wife. <laughs> well, thank you to Lizzie for coordinating everything in Johnny's life. Mm-hmm. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to uh, Holizna for our theme song, Hey Aqualung. 
Johnny, I got us on TikTok. I feel bad about it. I thought I was old enough where I could avoid getting on TikTok, but uh, we're on there now. We're on TikTok and Instagram at MasteringMPod. Send your adulations, corrections, and hate mail to MasteringMPod at gmail.com. You can call us, leave a voicemail, 505-750-9426. I got a fax machine, left a voicemail for me on that number today. What? Uh, didn't bring it to the podcast. Didn't think it was going to be helpful. You can listen to Johnny and Lizzie on their hit podcast, The Modern Real Estate Agents. Got a link to that in the episode description. You know the drill. Five-star rating, comment. If you want this uh, this McConaughey merch that I bought from fucking England, signed photograph of McConaughey from Interstellar, if you want it, yes. let me know. We'll work something out. And we'll catch you next time as we discuss Sex in the City and King of the Hill. Bye, y'all. Bye, guys. Well, to be fair. Oh, don't say to be fair. I hate when people say to be fair. It sounds like a to be fair. To be fair. Well, to be fair. I promise you, if Great Britain wants to stand in our way, I'll tell you what, we'll invade them too. Make them start speaking English and everything. USA! Dude, I, I thought that was great. I hope I hope it was good for you.